Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. Bulls Gold on the Barroom Network. I'm Salim Cinderella, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Chula Jr. Hey, Ed, how's it going for you today? Hey, I'm doing really well. Uh, we've had a few weeks, a uh, few weeks off, but Bulls basketball has actually been pretty solid in that time. Uh, they've been they've been in more games than not, and they've been playing relatively well. And even though there still have been some like Bulls moments here and there, like I, I don't think you complain about what's happening, but. I'm doing really well. How about you? Yeah, I can't complain about like stuff going on. Um, you know, bulls are the bulls are. You, you just kind of, you know, annoying that it's taken this long for some kind of consistency. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still not bought in yet. As far as uh, we'll see, like if they oh, yeah. <laughs> somehow get to 500 or if they clinch a playoff spot, then I'll be like, okay, well, let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, not, not that I think they would actually win a first round against yeah, <laughs> no, no, one of the top seeds, <laughs> uh, but at least I'd be a little more invested because it's, it's a playoff game, you know. Um, yeah. But you know, outside of that, it's really hard for me to to get really and like I'm not like I'm not actively rooting for losses. I'm just I still just don't really. I'm just not emotionally invested, like you know. Like yeah. After a win or a loss, I'm like, yeah, yeah, they won. Oh man, they <laughs> lost. Like, you know, I'm not like, you know, I I, I get like in, into certain aspects of the game just because it's basketball, and you know, obviously when you see players do certain things, that is like, go out and get excited about that individual stuff more so, like Pat, than as yeah. the team as a whole. Yeah, yeah, like Pat, yeah. or like when Kobe, you know, bounces back and things like that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you know. Uh. It's, it's it been, is what it is. Yeah, it's been a it, it's been a a season of of following the carrot on a string, and there have been many chances for fans to get behind this team. We just needed that like extra something from the Bulls, and they consistently could not give it to us. And this month has been probably this month has been pretty solid overall. Like they've been in pretty much every game, really. Uh, Except like what the Phoenix game, but even in the Phoenix game, like they were in that for most of that. They just kind of like trailed off. Yeah. Late. But uh, yeah, it, Patrick Beverly has been a pretty decent addition overall. So I mean, it it sucks that we it sucks that it's been this late. They may make the play in game, so we'll well they should make it at this point, but we'll see. But um, so at least we'll get some sort of playoff environment out of it. But you know, we'll see how it goes. No, for sure. You know, we, we've 
we've got a lot to talk about as well just because we've missed a couple of weeks mm-hmm. uh scheduling things and um just kind of had that opportunity to get on the mic to to go over things obviously we've had some big news with lonzo update uh games that were played this past week we go over and some other topics as well on uh, none other you know, no one better to go over with uh, joining us, someone like that we've known for such a long time. Really one of our favorite guests. He's like the host of the Crunch Time TV, uh, Buzzer Beater Radio, and contributes to Forbes and SI. Our, one of our faves and our, our, a friend of ours, uh, Morton Jensen. Morton, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me. It's always such a pleasure. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we we've always been uh we've been chopping it up uh through through the keyboard originally and now it's all translated to the mic. So it's always <laughs> been fun talking to you. Like these are some of our favorite episodes that we do. And likewise, man, it's always fun to be a part of it and and always in such so, such a nice time just uh chopping it up with you guys too. Even if what we're chopping up about isn't going to be <laughs> incredibly exciting this time around. Because uh, for sure. Hey, we're we're four games from five hundred. I mean, is that not is that not ten is that not is that not appealing to you? Like we're we're almost there again. It's it's the Charlie Brown and uh Lucy like football thing every every other few weeks. <laughs> It's amazing. It's just amazing that we're st- like, I thought truly that we had flipped the script on the Bulls after new management came in. And like, I was in it that first year with like the full Vooch year and the, the DeMar's first season, Zach being there, Lonzo. Like, I was, I was excited. I saw the potential. I was there. I thought Zach would take another leap later on. Pat would take another leap. And then, just somehow, some way, this organization managed to just fizzle everything out to the point where nobody cares in year two. I mean, I'm almost impressed, literally <laughs> almost impressed that that's where we end up. Um, but yeah, that, that that's where we are, unfortunately. Uh, like, can I ask you guys, are you actively rooting for like a playoff berth or are you just do you not care? Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm. I'm not. I'm into. I'm rooting for individual players, like just as, especially young players to right. do well. That's what I'm rooting really for. Um, the playoffs. I'm like, like I said, I'm. I'm not. I'm not like actively rooting like for losses because I just never really do that. You know, um, and, like I never really have done that ever. Like where I'm like, come on, lose. Like I'm rooting for the other team. Like when I'm watching the game, that's just kind of always been a weird aspect to me. Um, but emotionally, like I'm not invested in like actually winning games and and seeing this team, you know, make the playoffs because I still my belief still is that they should have done started a rebuild um, at the at the deadline. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, it's uh. I do remember the days where I rooted for losses and it was weird because it, it rarely worked out. Um, I, I can't remember what I felt like when the Derrick Rose lottery happened uh, in terms of like everything leading up to that. It, it just was unexpected. But every time after that with like the Zion drafts and things like that, it just it just never really works out. So I think for this season – my interest has just decreased game by game. And like Salim, I 
either I'm just rooting for like individual or I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah, they won or it's just become amusing. Like, oh, the Bulls are up by like 20 something against Miami. Yeah. <laughs> wonder when they're going to blow this lead. Like, it's just like you're you're just waiting for it. And it predictably like it happens very predictably. So it's just it's just sad. But I, I like I, I like the playoff environment game. So it's cool that we're going to at least see that. I mean, who knows what type of memorable moments will come from that? Like, even though we will end up in a situation where we might get swept or lose four one, but yeah, it, it's just kind of a blah year overall. Like it, mm. it last year was such good vibes and being in first place uh, at the all-star break or like second place. I can't remember, but it, it felt like a turnaround. And this year, like you said, it just feels like, Oh damn, we're back to more of the same. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, we talk about bad vibes and, and let's let's talk about more bad vibes that we've been getting with uh with the Lon- with Lonzo Ball really, with a lot of his you know, his knee issues, he's he's constantly had pain, discomfort, they can figure out why, and then you know, they announce what like a couple of weeks back that they might can be considering doing a second surgery or sorry, a third surgery on his on his uh, knee. And, and at that point, we're like, okay, you know what? That makes sense. I mean, if we're not seeing any progress. It makes sense that they would be right. trying to do another surgery for him. Um, but then all of a sudden we find out earlier this week that the surgery is going to essentially make him miss all of next season. Um, and the actual surgery is a cartilage transplant surgery. Uh, which was like, wow, that's, that came, that kind of came out of left field, you know, like the, what they were, what they were doing. And my, my initial field doing some research on the surgery uh, is Lonzo Ball's career, at least with the Bulls is done. Like, unless they bring him back, extend him into a, to another contract, I don't think he'll ever really play for the Bulls again. Um I just because I mean the recovery time, unless like I, I feel like he's definitely all all of next season, and I think he also might miss some of the season after that, yeah. uh, because like I said, and I was doing some research on this on this for athletes, and guys have shown to come back if they're younger and, and be able to play again still, and this might do the trick for him. But it, it, they're saying like sixteen to twenty four months of recovery. Could, could take for this surgery uh, for this treatment. So if it's, if it's to that point, I'm thinking Lonzo as a bull is never happening again. Um, more, let, let's get your thoughts. Like with this surgery, with everything with Lonzo, uh, his updates and obviously just, you, you also feel for Lonzo as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, honestly, that's the biggest takeaway for me. I, I'm not really looking at this through like the, the Bulls glasses, honestly, I'm really looking at this as what a loss for like the league as a whole and for Lonzo personally, right? I mean, if missing a full season now, missed a half season last year, over a half a season last year, is presumably going to miss all of next year. Plus, like you said, Salim, maybe even parts of, of his fourth season with the Bulls too, at least contractually speaking. I mean that's that that could be a death sentence to his NBA career, and you never want to see that. I, I I thought we saw a version of Lonzo last year in the 35 games that he did play, where 
he was coming into his own. He was figuring out how to be the best version of himself, which was just spotting up, controlling the offense. You know, it wasn't really statistically driven when you look at it, like 13 points, five rebounds, five assists. That was pretty like modest. But when you watched him play, it was very, very obvious that he was one of those players who always outperformed his own numbers. Right. And I think that was kind of his way to success, which is, okay, I'm never going to be like a 2010 guy, but that's okay. That's fine. As long as I leave a large imprint on winning. And he did. He was a savant out there. The way that he would just calculate things on the fly, the way that he would spot guys in certain areas where you just with, with a, the, the point guard, like poo platter, the bulls that had before that, it just was like stood in contrast. To, oh, wow. There's, here's a guy who can actually get the ball to Zach Levine. Well, like how that's, that's amazing. After years of Chris Dunn. Right. So it was just such a a shame to like follow that whole injury along and just seeing how he'd finally come out of his shell and now he's his career might be over. I mean, God, yeah. you just you just you just feel with the guy so much. And I hear you in regards to like the Bulls implication, of course, because it's a lot of money on the cap as well. And what does the future hold? That's obviously a a major question, but. That's just such a distant priority to me. I just hope Lonzo. No, I'm with you. I, I, I'm not. I'm not prioritizing the bull. No, I know. I know you about. weren't. I'm just saying. Like, uh, I, I just wanted to underline it because, oh my God, you know, it's just right, right. You, your heart goes out to the guy, like you said. I, it, it's such. It's it's so tough. It really is, and it's just you. You have to wonder on some level if you just sat back there and once in a while goes. Would this have happened if I had gone elsewhere? I, I think it would. It sounds like this is a structural thing. So, yeah, yeah, it's it is. It's, it seems to be that way. It seems to be something that, I mean, it, it, it sounds like it's basically a situation where when when you have some multiple knee uh, surgeries that he's had because the two he had with the bullseye are the only one time he's had gone under surgery for for knee for his knee. I think he had one with the Lakers. Uh, as well. And they say, like, if you have multiple surgeries like that, like cartilage can start wearing, they can it essentially could gain removed prop due to the surgery process or something like that. Uh, obviously, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not, I could be uh, a little bit off there, but that's what it seems like that the reason that they're doing this is to kind of restore some of its cartilage uh, in that regards. Yeah. yeah. It's a, uh... Like when you mentioned the prior surgeries, it helps put it in perspective a little bit more because I was always like, wow, like I, I was just always fascinated that this timeline started from a bone bruise, I think. Right. Like right. that was the original injury. Yeah. So I was just always like fascinated. just like, wow, like how do we get here from that? But it, it really is just like crazy just to see what it's come to, because like both of you guys are saying this is a career this is potentially career ending or it's a significant career altering injury where he's right. not going to be able to play anywhere near the level that he once was and when you think about how you know everything more described with how I- important he was to his team's success like he stirred the drink like he 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 was able to defend multiple positions he could he was a beast in transition and he was hitting 42% of his threes on like seven attempts per game in that like half season stretch with the bulls and on high volume, on high volume. Yeah. And you think about right. his form, like the, like 
like Celine, you talked about his form in the past before where it's just like, wow, his form actually looks pretty good. And imagine where it came from, right? Like that he entered the league with that as a flaw. So he worked really hard to get to this point. And just seeing all of that like taken away, like, yeah, my heart goes out to him because he, he he's become such a really solid player and we we know how much these athletes work in the offseason throughout the season to get to this point in the NBA. And it, it, it's just really sad overall. So, um, again, my heart goes out to him. And, like, I, I hope that he is able to, you know, reinvent himself somehow when he does try to come back to playing basketball. Um, we know it's probably not going to be in a Bulls uniform. And, you know, that's unfortunate and that's fine. But, you know, I, I just hope that he gets to play basketball again at some point as well. Uh, and as far as like how, you know, the Bulls angle from this is like, I don't I mean, obviously, he's probably not going to play here again. But I, I just don't even know how they're I mean, it's like probably like a buyout at some point in the future. Or maybe he just, you know, just the stays on the books. I don't know. But um, it, it definitely messes up uh, a lot of what they plan for this imagination of the team. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's a it's a frustrating situation, and obviously the, the 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 play that we saw from Lonzo and the Bulls team for when they were healthy, um, they were, they were just a fun team to watch. And Lonzo, obviously, such a high field player. We talked about his his shooting, obviously, and his defense. You know, not a, a guy that doesn't make many mistakes and just you know, makes your team better. Like, like all 30 teams in the league, he could, you could drop Lonzo on a healthy Lonzo ball on, and he would help that team right. win games. Like yeah. that just, he'd fit seamlessly with any team. Uh, that That's basically a type of player. He's like, when we talk about a high level, high impact level role players, uh, you know, that, that kind of sometimes to a point have like a borderline all-star impact because of the, all the different things that they can do you know, a couple of things, different things that they can do at a high, higher level than your average role player can. Yeah. So it just, yeah, it just is sad. You know, it's, frust- it's frustrating as a fan. It's frustrating, especially for Lonzo, uh, that he get, he gets a, you know, again, we've talked about to uh, having to step away from his, his like his passion, essentially, and not, not being able to do what he loves to do yeah and who knows where like his game really could have continued evolving like he just exactly he's such a such a solid two-way talent where like realistically who knows maybe we could have started to see more of that distribution in terms of like uh maybe not high value but maybe kind of like a few tiers below that like maybe he could have been a consistent seven to eight assist guy on top of these things like who knows where his game really could have continued to go but the fact that he was able to really find that two-way space, improve his jump shot. His basketball IQ was top tier, and he really made this team go. Like, it, it was so fun. Like, I don't know, just, just all, like, I miss all of those vibes, and he was such a big part of it, like the the shy slamma-jamma stuff that Stacey King, like, he, he was a really integral part of it. So, uh, yeah, again, my heart goes out to him, and uh, hopefully he is not, done with basketball and hopefully he is able to come back in some way to play in the NBA again and do what he loves to do. Hmm. Yeah. That's all we can hope for yeah. uh, at this point. Um, but, you know, as the bulls try to wither 
the storm of everything that's happened with Lonzo, they've obviously had their own struggles on court in general. Uh, the season, obviously, we talked about has been up and down. Uh, lately, they've been playing better, and obviously we'll talk about Pat Bev, too, and his impact. But, you know, the games lately, they've I feel like we've seen some of the same stuff, but, like, not as not as, like, glaring since the Pat Bev acquisition. And obviously there's various different data with the lineup of, like, Caruso, Pat Bev, uh, Zach Levine, DeMar, and, and Vuce being, like, such a big positive lineup. Like, I think they're, like, I don't know what after yesterday's game, but, like, before that they were, like, a net rating of plus 21. Um, so, yeah, they, they obviously they really fit well together. And in certain aspects – uh, Pat Bev kind of at a, you know, at, at, I, don't, I don't know if it's the right word is like the poor man's level, but like uh, he's like a lighter version of things that he does, what Lonzo does to a degree, like defensively, the way he kind of can be the ball hawk and really be a, impactful defensively. Uh, his shooting obviously is not anywhere close to Lonzo, but he can hit the three ball. Um, also just as a kind of a vocal guy out there, that's important too, because Lonzo was very vocal and on the defensive end and instructing guys where to be. And, you know, he's been also kind of handling the ball a little bit. So which takes away the ball gets Zach more off ball. So that those little impacts, you know, that are similar to what Lonzo provided at, at, at a, not as high of a level seems to kind of have, made the games work and you know we want to talk about games like yesterday where again you know they, they allowed a team come back from the after being up like 25 points they allowed a team to come back but you know they were still able to withhold that rally um so more let me let me ask you first like how have you seen these past games as post deadline games from the bulls and we'd love to hear your thoughts on pat bev as well yeah, so so let's start with Pat. Um, I, I was I was wrong about him, and I'll I'll concede that right off the bat because I thought at the time he was like the next destination was China. I'm not even gonna front. I yes, I said that on on my podcast as well. I was like, nope, because going back even to the Minnesota year when they made the playoffs and he made a bunch of headlines, I was still fairly skeptical of him moving forward because he would have these fantastic sequences defensively, but he would follow that up by being actually not that good defensively and still having tremendous difficulty generating efficient offense. So I was like, Oh, this, like this is, this could be rough next year. And then when he became a Laker, it started off so grotesquely bad that I was like, yeah, he's done. Like he is absolutely cooked as it turned out though. He just wasn't motivated and, and he just kind of checked out of games himself, which fair enough. I mean, if that's your, that's your prerogative. And then when he signed with the bulls, he got ammed up to 11 and now he's like a vastly different basketball player than how he looked with LA. I mean, it's not even comparable how much better he looks right now. So I, I I'll take that one on, on on my shoulders and say, okay, I was I was definitely wrong. Uh, in terms of the Bulls overall post deadline, you know they're finding some sort of rhythm, but I can't help but feel that it's just the worst possible timing to do so. Because I agree, uh, Salim. Like I, I thought, the sign of a good NBA team is one who recognizes where they are and also understands the market at the same time. 
And I've said this repeatedly on my own podcast and on radio and television, wherever I've been, I've said that the trade deadline in 2023, we all assumed this would be a buyer's market. And then it pivoted and we learned, oh, no, it's not. It's actually a seller's market. And the bulls should have recognized that and pivoted and gone straight into a rebuild, basically saying, oh, we're seeing what, what established guys are going for right now. That means now's a good time to trade DeMar. Now's a good time to trade Alex Caruso. Now might, might also be the only time we can trade Nikola Vucevic because we don't know what's going to go into the summer. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. If he leaves, that's a bunch of stuff you just send up for to Orlando for, what, two, two and a half seasons of what is good but not elite play. I mean, right. so, so yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it comes off a little weird, weird that now all of a sudden they look a little bit better, but they still don't look good enough to be a highly competitive playoff team. Um, I think the biggest adjustment we've seen, and this isn't just post deadline, but it is especially post uh, trade deadline. It's Levine, right? I mean, we just got to count uh-huh. out to Levine. I mean, for him to finally basically say, okay, guys, like I spent the first year of this whole new endeavor trying to let everyone else fit in. I'm like taking a step back. I'm trying to be a little bit more like hands off so you guys can get going. And for him to finally say, okay, I've I've tried this for a year and a half. And you know what? Y'all need me. Um, <laughs> and, and going into that mode and basically saying, I'm going to be that, that that primary guy every single night. I'm going to try to go for 40, 35, whatever. And He's done that, and he's looking amazing right now. And, and of course, because he's looking amazing, that's why I immediately went to Forbes and wrote a piece on why the Bulls should trade him. Oh my lord! <laughs> because I mean, that's that's where the value is, right? I mean, I and I get it. Like Bulls fans, Bulls fans would hate to give him up the way that he's playing right now, and I understand that. I mean, look, I don't think anyone would want to trade away Zach Levine right now, but he's twenty eight years old. He's playing out of his mind. He's totally justified the price tag on his contract, which if in case someone's forgotten, remember when he signed that last summer, there were a lot of Bulls fans going, oh, we're going to regret this. Yeah, no, no, there's absolutely no reason to regret it. He looks fantastic. He had some knee issues at the start of the year that made him a little bit sluggish in terms of like getting to the brim. That was resolved. Now he's an elite uh, at rim finisher, just an elite overall score. He's right back to the year where he's averaged 27 plus points. So he's been phenomenal. But is that good enough to upset someone in the first round, even if they do make it to the playoffs, like going through the play and winning that game or those games and then going onwards? I don't know the answer to that. I don't I don't think so personally. Like if you get like the Celtics or the Bucks or the Sixers Hell, even the Cavs, I mean, I feel pretty confident in saying the Bulls are not going to get past either of those teams. So I'm just, I guess what I'm saying is, okay, they look better post-deadline, but to what extent and what's their upside? So I, I want to come back to to your Zach Levine article because I, I, I've been probably digging my feet in on, like, I'm not saying Zach Levine is untouchable, but I am really interested in seeing more of a retool than a rebuild. So I, I do want to come back to that a little later to, to see, like, to kind of, like, discuss the levels of it. But I, I do think you're right that a lot of this does feel too little too late because it, it's just 
I don't know, like we're just kind of like stuck in this territory of playing and they had so many opportunities to turn this around before. So it's like, okay, now Pat Bev is here and he's had such an impact on the team, like Salim said, like a plus 20.6 net rating, which I think is one of the highest in the league since um since he like arrived to the team. So the fact that this Bulls team now has a starting lineup that has actually been playing really well together and he's been giving us a little bit of that juice that we have been missing since Lonzo Ball, since Lonzo Ball injury has been just exactly what this team needed. But it's just I, I come back to what you were saying about the trade deadline and it's just they did not take advantage of any route that they could have. And we can even take that back to the offseason. They did not take advantage of mm. any route that they could have. And not all of that is the front office's fault, of course, but I, I think this is kind of what happens when you really just essentially leave a team for dead. Like, they, they just kind of let it just let it do what it do, does. So, uh, it, it just feels like they could have done more with this. Like, they could have went out in the trade deadline and could have been some minor additions. I don't know. Could we have had, like, another type of Pat Bev edition? That would have been great, but... Whether it's as a buyer or a seller, it just seems like they did not take any sort of like route to maximize anything. So it's just like, all right, you want to be a play-in team. How can you improve your chances to be a play-in team? Or how can you improve your chances to be a playoff team? So it, it's just really disappointing that they didn't take this. But still, this Bulls team is now four games off of 500. And in March, they have played relatively well. Like They still have like a top five defensive rating team. So it's just there's a lot of positives, but again, it does seem like you said, just a little too late. Yeah. That yeah. And I, I, I actually want to say just in, in regards to like the, the front office, I don't think this is like necessarily front office driven. I, I know that yeah. Acme right now is just receiving a ton of criticism and look, I, I haven't jumped on that wagon because I don't think that it's a coincidence that you have two different front offices who act virtually the same exactly. way in being passive at the trade deadline and not doing a, bo- a, a bunch of stuff in the offseason. That to me just screams ownership, just ownership all over again, exactly. where it's like, you know, we we're satisfied uh, keeping that carrot in front of Bulls fans every single year. And it's almost like it's the one NBA team that's like perfectly content being stuck in the middle. Like everyone else is trying to find a way out of that middle, trying to either bottom out to get better long term or going forward and trying to go for the championship, which you can argue the Bulls did to some extent last year. But even going back to last year, they weren't ready to pay up. They were still "Mm, let's let's hang on on the luxury tax thing. Let's hang on in trying to go for it at the trade deadline. Remember, with all the rumors of like Patrick Williams for Harrison Barnes, for example, like they were just, again, hesitant to go all in. So. It's one of those situations where they just they don't do anything outside of like the initial reaction. Like they have this big splash in 2021, the summer there, and they go, all right, that's what we did. Let the chips fall where they may. And that is just the most passive mentality you can have. And to me, it screams ownership. That is the the, the Reinstorf mentality of things. It's yeah. always been that way. We're doing this one thing, and then it better play out. It's that. It's the same approach again and again and again. And that's why I also personally, like, I bought myself into like, oh, back to Bulls fanhood uh, <laughs> w- w- after the twenty one summer because I thought, okay, now with the new management, it's actually going to look better. You know, 
I, I was an idiot. I shouldn't have jumped <laughs> back on that that wagon. I'm I'm out on that whole thing until they change ownership because, you know, I'm I don't think they're ever going to get a a truly good product before you change hands in ownership. Like if we're being really really uh, tough minded here. They lucked into Derrick Rose. Remember, like 1.7% right. chance. Like yeah. that wasn't right. their own accord. You could also argue that whenever you have arguably the best player of all time, you luck into that. No one is drafting a guy, even number one, and going, oh, yeah, he is undoubtedly going to lead us to six championships. Like that is something you also, to a certain extent, luck yourself into. So will I say they did a good job of building around Mike back then? Yes, absolutely. They did. They also did a perfectly fine job building around Rose. Cool. But even when the Rose years, if you recall, there were times where they stood pat where they shouldn't have, where they needed a proper shooting guard. And they went out and said, oh, yeah, let's get a way past his prime Rip Hamilton, which never made a lake of sense. So it's it's just this team again and again, having very good tools around them and just not providing those tools with the care and attention to be the best tools possible. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. this just screams ownership, no. and, and that's why I'm I'm hesitant to go after like the front office, which a lot of people seem to be uh, just itching to. Um, I'm not there. I'm, yeah. I, I think Acme is being handcuffed. I think they got a lot of money for being handcuffed. Good on them. Take every cent that you can get. But yeah, I, I wouldn't put it at their feet. Yeah, when you're. I mean, so here's a couple of things I just want to input. Um, uh, first, in regards to Zach, like, you know, more to talking about, like, the post-All-Star. Obviously, he's taken over as, for sure, as, like, the lead, like, number one option. Hmm. But, like, I do want to mention, because I've been mentioning it online a lot, and, like, since December of, of 22, he's essentially been back to his normal high-volume scoring self. Like, you know, I've, I've mentioned, like, you know, he's averaging at high volume. Like, he's scoring 26 a game shooting 50% from the field, 39.9% from the threes, so essentially 40%, 85% from the free throw line. Um, you know, like has he had, and that span, he also has a 63% true shooting percentage. Um, so those are like the exact numbers, right? The, when, he, when he broke out a couple of seasons ago, that's essentially what he was doing, uh, just this high-volume elite scorer. Uh, so I, I feel like he's been athletically and things like that. He's always been back. He's just kind of uh, – what difference has made is adding Pat Bev has allowed him to do the things he was doing last season when we had Lonzo, just remain off ball. Uh, when you get the ball, your job is to mostly only be a finisher, not trying to be a guy that's initiating the offense or trying to do anything you know beyond what your skill set really is, outside of maybe running a few – uh, set like pick and rolls and things like that. They're not really asking Zach to be a big like initiator creator in that sense. Um, and then that comes back to Pat Bev. And then you're talking about ownership like this at like the way Pat Bev is played. He's a, he's a good role player, which proves in today's NBA, good role players matter so damn much. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, to Mort's point, like we've talked about the cheapness of ownership, like, when the season started, there was the big conversation that the Bulls are not going to be using the full mid-level exception. Uh, they don't want to pay the tax. 
essentially that really could have been the difference maker right there. If they were allowed to use the full mid-level exception and add a, a solid role player, like a guy that could actually come on the court and impact the game in a positive way over a lot of the things that they do have, um, instead of going like Goran Dragic, who had a couple of good weeks, you know, and then he kind of fell back down uh, to earth. We were probably sitting here looking at a better situation than we are uh, as, it, as it's going, right? I feel like because if you had a guy that could do the things that Pat Bev did from the beginning or at least a, a guy at another, you know, at another spot that was just coming in and, and consistently giving you this type of effort and production – you probably are seeing in a, in, in a slightly better position, at least for the Bulls are concerned. And obviously, they're never going to be title contenders. They're, but they would probably be a decent, solid in that five range, competing for that sixth seed, which I think for them, that would be a successful season because, again, that's their goal, to consistently be a, a solid playoff team. Mm-hmm. So that's like the other frustrating part that, you know, kind of, again, proves that the cheapness of ownership essentially derailed what this team could really be. Yeah. And like you're, you look at what this team is doing right now. Like we've already talked about how elite Zach has been post all-star break. Patrick Williams is playing really, really well since the all-star break and playing off the bench. Like he's shooting like 55% from three or something like that. Patrick Williams has been really good. So like we're, we're starting to see, and, and there's already been signs of it, but Patrick Williams is taking a little bit of a step in his game, which project, but I, which I think projects really well for what he can do next season. But Pat's been playing well. Zach has been playing well. Kobe White has been a consistent contributor. Um, like the Rose has been the Rose and Vooch has slowed down a little bit, but overall Vooch has had a pretty good season. And like Caruso still has an impact on this team. Pat Bev has been having an impact on this team. So like all of these things coming together. And like you said, Salim, it, it, it shows how much like they just did not take advantage of any route that they could have taken with this team. Like they really just kind of let left this team for dead. Like I, I think if you are saying, okay, look, we just want to be a playoff team and we can figure it out from there. We want to be competitive. Okay, cool. Take, take, take initiative to maximize that. And as more has been pointing, pointing out because ownership is taking these stances, they are capped out really in any route that they take. And I guess for me, when we talk about like rebuilds and stuff like that, that's what makes me frustrated because it, it, it's just they rebuild and they get to a certain point where they really need to make a decision to take that next step. And they consistently show that they're not able to take that step, and it's largely because of ownership. Like, Mort mentioned Rip Hamilton, and we talked about it before, but we could even go back to when they had the the dang Gordon Heinrich teams and Pau Gasol was staring them in the face, and they didn't want to do that because they didn't want to take luxury tax, and then that team fell apart. So it's like every time they rebuild and they get to a certain point, they fall apart because they don't want to maximize the path that they are taking. So I'm like, all right, if they, if they break up this team and – you know, trading DeRozan, Vooch, whatever, that's fine. But it's just like, it, it, it always just feels like we're confined. And it's just like, I just want them to maximize a route. I don't think, like, being a consistent playoff team is basketball hell. I think that's good. I just wish they would maximize that and take the 
take the initiative to do things that can continue that path forward. Yeah, I, I just don't know how you maximize it, 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 it anymore around Zach just because they don't have the assets to do it. Like, they don't really have the pick potential because they're going to owe – let's say they get lucky and they get the fourth pick this year. Um, they still are going to owe 2024 pick to Orlando, which is going to be only top three protected. And then moving forward, they sold uh, San Antonio a couple of uh, one pick, which is, I mean, it's better protected, but still it, it makes it harder to uh, trade because you are, you know, because of the ste- Stepien rule, you're, you're kind of bound to following these rules. Like, well, we can't trade two picks in a row. Yeah. So we have to, and then you have to say, okay, well, are we comfortable trading the 2029 and 2031 pick? Like, uh, you know, to, to upgrade this roster. It, 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 that's what becomes more difficult at this point. And then it also becomes, well, is Zach, if we do a, a retool instead of Reba, is Zach going to start demanding a trade too? Um, and obviously, with like I said, it just kind of becomes tough at this point to, to, to do another retool around Zach. It's about, it's just about to, it's not about like, well, what the ownership, um, being mad at the ownership about not being able to maximize stuff. It's just at the point, it's like, well, you know, they, they just at this point just don't have the real assets and the capability of maximizing anymore of a lot around Lonzo, because while again, yeah, the ownership being cheap has been a problem. I do think like AK have kind of put the team in, in such a, you know, a heart heart between a hard rock and a hard place in particular because of the food trade. Like that's that's gonna end up being just the biggest reason this that everything kind of fell apart. Like Wendell is Wendell. Like I like Wendell. I'm I'm higher on Wendell than a lot of Bulls fans are. You know, people people still have, you know, generally negative opinions on Wendell. You know, there are a few uh, that have his back still. So Chris Amundsen, our guy, he's a huge Wendell guy. Mm-hmm. Uh he always defends Wendell, and I'm with him when when, when Wendell is brought up uh, when Bulls fans kind of disparage him. But, like, really, those two picks are just really what are suffo- suffocating. Like, to me, like, yeah, Vooch is good. He's good. There's no doubt about it. But it's kind of like if you had $5,000 and you weren't trading that in for an investment to make that 5000 to $6,000, but now your $5,000 is only worth $2,000. Like, yeah, it's nice to have $2,000, but you lost $3,000. Like, that's essentially where we're at with this boot trade. And that's why now that $3,000 is missing that we could done things to improve the team or, or improve your, you know, individual situation on a personal level is it's essentially really hurt the Bulls. And that's what it becomes to a point where it's like, how are, how do they keep progressing a re a retool instead of just, you know, saying, screw it. Let's just get a bunch of picks for guys and start over and let's go the young guy route where let's see what Pat can do when he gets more reps to develop. Can he really become that guy that we thought he could maybe become? Not not Kawhi, yeah. uh, because that was always a crazy, ridiculous expectations. But can he, can he progress his on-ball creation and become more of a scorer? Uh, obviously defensively he's been really good all season and I think he has the potential that defensively to be an all NBA caliber defender. Um, 
And then, yeah, Kobe, like, you know, he's shown progress. Let's see how much more he can progress. Uh, Io has kind of had a maybe a sophomore slump, if you will, but he's still young. He can still bounce back. And not to say he has a star uh, in the making or anything like that, but he could still become a high-level role player. Mm-hmm. And that's that's still value, you know, that you can still build. Let Dale and Terry develop. Um yeah, those are my thoughts on that. I don't know if I've kind of gone off a tangent here, but it just kind of those are my thoughts, really. And like, I, like more, I would love to hear like you know your feedback on some of my thoughts and some of Edward's thoughts as well. Well, yeah, absolutely. So, so let's go into like the whole um, uh, the the retooling process that both of you have brought up, right? Mm. So, like, even if we go into that, knowing what we know about the Bulls, there are, there are two questions to me. One is, do we trust the Bulls enough to go into a retooling process dedicating themselves to winning? Because as we know, a retooling process is not where you necessarily take two steps back. If you take one step back to take two uh, ahead. So it's basically like the Blazers tried to do this summer, which just (laughs) unfortunately did not work at all. But that was the intent where they kind of said, okay, for half a year, we're just going to suck. And then afterwards, we're going to be right in it. Um, One, do we trust the Bulls to even like do that? Do they have the the the, the components to even do that? Like you, you brought up Salim, the whole uh you know, Vooch is you know cost five thousand, it's gonna be worth two thousand. Like that that actually holds true for many of the trade pieces that the Bulls have on their roster. So, like, is there enough of a positive return to be found given what the Bulls have on their roster? I think is one of the major issues. And secondarily, right. in terms of the second question, that's Sack Levine, right? Because I hear what you said earlier, Edward. You said we should return to like oh, like the, the Sack Levine discussion because, yeah, I hear you in terms of you would love to retool with Sack Levine. I would, too. I would too. The thing is, a retooling process, as we also saw with the Blazers, one, it's you aren't sure it's going to work. Two, it might take more than a year. It actually might take two or three. SAC right now doesn't have two or three years. That's the issue for me. It's if you're going into this thing half-heartedly, which I assume the Bulls will, yeah. you're you're just going to waste that that the final two or three years of his physical prime because. Yo, I can we can sit here and say Sag is a great shooter. He should age well. I think there's some truth to that. But at the same time, he's also a guy who does use his athleticism quite a bit. So you do have to ask yourself the question when he comes into like his age 32 season, for example. Like, yeah, he might he or she should still be a 20 point scorer. But is he going to be like 25, 27 or is or are we going to look at a guy who's like, 20 21 22 and that efficiency is starting to drop a little bit because he won't be finishing at the same rate around the rim for example i think those are fair questions to ask and that's where i just doubt the bulls to be able to get it done i would love nothing more than for the bulls to use this season and basically say okay that's not working and the off season you just do something major and next season you've built around sack Levine and you're a fully fledged playoff team. Great. That'd be fun. I just have zero faith in that happening like at all. And that's where I'm thinking at some point, it also just behooves uh, both the bulls and, and people around sack to basically say, yeah, you need to go elsewhere. Like if you're not going to win here, don't waste your prime here. If they can't figure stuff out because there's a pattern here of them not being able to figure that out. Mm. And at the same time, that same the the other side of that coin, of course, is the trade value, right? It's still substantial. 
Is it going to be substantial when he hits his age 29, you know, age 30 season? Probably not. Like now might be the best time to, to trade him this summer. Mm. And if they don't do that, then what? So that that's where I'm at with those things. So here here's my concern. And like I said, I, I don't, for me, I don't think that, I don't look at trading Zach Levine as illogical because I think these are all really good points. I think for me, my concern is just more so rooted in precedent in terms of how this team has done in the past in terms of where they get to certain points within rebuilds or with whatever new core that they have, and they cannot take that jump, and it's because of ownership. So Mm -hmm. I guess for me, it's almost like really just an issue of just frustration because I know what's happening, and I know what's going to come at a certain point, and to tack on it with a rebuild, what we've seen recently in terms of like the last build of his team with marketing, with Wendell, you know, with Chris Dunn, whoever, whoever, it's okay. What is this team going to do when they get to a point where they have all of these young players again? How are they going to put that team in a great position to develop these players? Is this rebuild going to be worthwhile enough? that we're not just going to be sitting here for four or five or six years trying to figure out players, trying to figure out what we can do, and we're not getting the development out of these guys, and then we're going to ship them off somewhere else, and then these players are going to start getting around coaches who actually know what to do with these players. So I I guess for me, it's just a a mindset of, okay, a a rebuild can happen, but is it going to be a good use of time? Excellent question. Yeah, and and, and like that's kind of what we saw last time. Like it's like okay, we traded Jimmy Butler. We had all these young pieces. We had Markin. We had Wendell. We had Kobe White. We had Bobby Portis. We had all of these different guys, and they went through a lot of stuff, but it never got anywhere. And obviously, there's a different front. That was a different front office. But like you said, the ownership is the same. Mm. And from what we've seen, there's already the same things happening to this front office. It just seems like it's just been happening in a quicker amount of time. So I'll say that. Yeah, I'll say this though. Like, look, I, I think AK and Mark Eversley deserve a lot of criticism too. Like I said, you know, the, the moves that they've made have kind of hum- hamstring the, the, them uh, outside of the uh, ownerships being really bad and not allowing them to really use maximize their um, their tools in the bag that they have, but. I, I would like to see if they can do a better job of maybe building from the ground up. Like they haven't had that opportunity. They've come in and tried to expedite a, a rebuild and, and trying to be a win now team. So maybe they would do better um, if, if they got an opportunity just to build from the ground up. Like you, you never know. I mean, they're not yeah. going anywhere. That. AK, AK and Mark Eversley are not going anywhere, especially since we know – the way, and then again, the way Jerry operates, he gives his front office a very long leash to, you know, do various things. So they're not going to be fired. You know, even if, even if, even if other organizations probably at this point would consider letting go of these guys, mm. uh, Bulls are not going to do that. So yeah. I would like to see them have the opportunity to do a rebuild from the ground up and, Let's see if they would actually hire a not a Jim Boylan, like an actual good coach that can develop yeah. young players. Well, Philly's gonna um, be, 
Billy's going to be here. Well, for a Billy while would leave because Billy doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild. That's the reason okay. he left OKC, which I'm perfectly fine with because I'm not the biggest Billy fan. I don't hate Billy. I think he's a okay coach, but I, I don't. I don't know if Billy is a guy that you could say, "Hey, I need you to develop a bunch of young guys." I, I, I don't think he has an interest to do that either. Like, yeah. so, so I, I guess for me, like the question that I just want to see answered in whatever path that they choose is. What is the Bulls thing? Like, what is our what is our thing? Like, what can we what can we optimize? You know, like some teams they can they can do these rebuilds and they can get to a good point. Some teams they can enter that win now mode and they can get to a really good point. Like the Lakers do that. Some teams they just stay competitive for a while and they figure out moves to compete within that. And they just that's just kind of what they do. Like I, I think Toronto I think- is kind of an example of that. So like. What is the Bulls thing? Because it just seems like whatever route they take, it gets stopped because ownership is only willing to go to a certain point. And I I think for me, that's just really frustrating. So it's just like I want to see ownership just take the like just take the handcuffs off. Like I, I get it. There's so many things to consider from a business and financial standpoint, but it all just keeps coming back regardless of the path that we take. So, I I mean. Like, Here's another thing, though, yeah. Edward. I, another failure for the guard packs rebuild is they didn't have multiple picks to work with. Like, they only always had one draft pick, and they would take that one draft pick, and always the joke about, you know, cash considerations. They were selling their second-round picks for cash instead of actually utilizing it. Um, so that is another reason. Like, if you can trade DeMar for a couple of firsts, if you can trade Zach, I think you could probably get three, four firsts, depending on the team, especially a small market team like that can attract stars. Zach would look, you know, really, especially since he's locked up in in a, in a contract, uh, he could look like, you know, hey, man, we could get Zach Levine to pair with, you know, we have a really couple of young guys. Let's get Zach Levine. Maybe that could help us. Uh, maybe they want you know, a, a smaller market team would be interested in giving up that. Uh, Vooch, I don't know what happens with him at this point, but like I said, you know, you can, and then Caruso, you can probably trade for a first round pick as well. So, like I said, that gives you multiple. That's a that's a better way to rebuild because when you have multiple firsts, um, and then you'll have your own picks eventually once you know this Orlando thing dies away. And I think, like I said, the the Spurs pick is better protected. So if they're bad, they'll be like it's a, it's like a top ten protection. Then two years in a row, it's top eight protection, and then it turns into second rounders. Yeah. Um, no, so, I like think, I said, I that, that, that line, that line, that would be a better mold of, for a rebuild by having those multiple picks, and then just allowing a young coach to come in or whatever coach that you hire that is part that knows what they're doing. It's not Jim Boylan level of it, like uh, incompetence and. That's the route I think that could make sense, and it, it is frustrating that we have to start over. But uh, like, like that's where I'm at. I'm just at like I, I just don't yeah. see a, a, a runaround yeah, of no, doing yeah, that. Yeah, like, like don't get me wrong. Like with a rebuild, I'm not saying that I never want to see it happen. Even though, like you know me, like I, I prefer seeing competitive basketball just over anything. But I, I guess for me, it's just I, I want to see progress in the things that are capping this team from any type of build like it it just feels like we are confined like Mort talked about it earlier it just seems like we have been confined in every step 
that we take with this team over the past however many years post dynasty. Like it is always something that ownership is is self imposing on this team that's preventing it from taking the next step. Like there's only so much the front office can really do. And like if, if we're going back to what this team looks like now, we've already seen that because they haven't made a trade in I don't know, like what has it been like a year and some change? <laughs> like it, it's been a minute, right? And they 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 chose not to spend that mid level. So they they self impose these things and ruin the path that they are on. And while you're right, the front office also made moves like the Vooch deal that has not panned out to the degree that they wanted to. It's also been a significant combination of ownership to say, hey, we're not doing that. You got to figure it out after that. So if the we, last it, trade they made, by the way, Edward, was in August of 2021. So almost two years ago. Yeah. So it, it's just like, like I said earlier, it just feels like they left this team for dead. And somehow this team is still four games away from being 500. I don't know, with all of the crap going on. But yeah, I don't, for me, it's just frustration. Like, I just want to see them not self sabotage this big market team in whatever they choose to do. And I, I like, look, a rebuild can be good. Like, they can find, they can hit on some picks. These players can get really well and grow together, but then it gets to that 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 fork in the road, and then this Bulls team just says, their ownership just says, "Hey, we're not doing that," and then it just that's it. That's the peak. So I don't know, but no, I think I think you yeah. hit on some some fair points because it yeah. does seem like the Bulls really don't do any of the three major levels well to some extent. Like I, I don't, I think they did. Like, look, the the whole DeMar DeRozan thing was a stroke of brilliance. That was just tremendous. Yeah, yeah. Lonzo Ball, also, you can sit here and say they made some good pieces there and good moves. Obviously, you know, I, I don't think anyone anticipated DeMar being this good. But at the same time, it still shows that that off, front office was willing to say, OK, we, we believe in you, DeMar, and that paid off. But it, they don't really go out there and find the hidden gems in free agency necessarily. They also really don't figure out the draft to a certain extent. I mean, yeah, they had Io late, but we also thought Io would take a big leap in year two. He still hasn't. We're still waiting on Pat to a certain extent. I do think he's taking steps, but let's be frank. He's a top four selection, and he's probably never going to really live up to that one, which is fair. Like, players don't develop at their same pace. And and it's fine. Like he's never going to be a bust. I think he's too good to that. But if you're looking at like the fourth overall selection, you would like to have something that was maybe a little bit more uh, NBA ready and maybe a little bit more just overall better, more impactful. Mm-hmm. So you're right. We're sitting here in a situation where they don't ever trade. And when they do, they give up a ton, especially in terms of future flexibility. So you were asking, like, what is their thing? And I was I was actually sitting there thinking, well, what that's a good question. What is their thing? And the only thing I could not come up with, and it's a little bit of a joke, but it's basically being a farmer team for everyone else. Like that's the one thing that they've had going for themselves for years and years and years, where they actually get pretty decent guys in the draft, for example. They utterly fail at maximizing their potential. Then those guys go elsewhere and they're just lauded for their professionalism and oh their rededication because it's almost like oh yeah we got out of chicago like we needed we needed that experience to really understand 
that we that we that we want to to make it happen somewhere else, which that's the Bulls' thing right now, and it's this is horrible. Um, I, I I agree with you, Edward. I think it's time to figure out what they actually do well internally. I think it's time for them to kind of explore themselves and figure out okay, what is going to be our thing? Because presumably, you know, Carney Chauvis and Mark Eversley are going to be around for like the next. 15 years, probably, if if the last front office was any indication. So it's about time they figure out where can we hang our hat. We know right now that Acme may not be great negotiators because that Vooch trade is certainly a bad indicator of the future. I mean, you you reckon that Orlando would have gone elsewhere if you didn't further protect some of those draft picks? I don't think so. Were those offers out there for Vooch otherwise? I, I at least haven't heard that they were, but they might have. I mean, but even so, even if they were, that's probably a situation where the Bulls should have gone, oh, you have that offer standing for Vooch? You know what? Take that. <laughs> just take that those offers instead. We're not going to play this game. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they just have to play it smarter overall, I think. And it's weird because if you think back to Denver, where Carnicia was, was mm-hmm. it was – Solid move after solid move. It was always like thinking out of the box. It was like go like stretching your imagination to an extent where you go, oh, okay, we could actually see this guy working in that unit. Like there was there was always something there. And then it came here and it's almost like, nope, there's there's not that magic left necessarily. And and I, I say necessarily because I don't I still think that magic might be there. I just think is hindered by ownership. And in that's the case it all becomes sort of pointless, right? Because even if you get the best front office in there who can trade, who can draft, who can sign guys who have charisma and like everybody loves them, great. But if ownership says, yeah, you can't go above this cap number, you're just going to be screwed either way. So yeah, that's that's also why I'm a little bit out on the bulls. I I just kind of sit back and look at them overall as a very unserious franchise. Yeah, I I, I think it's, it's frustrating, and it's like, yeah, look, I get you have to choose a path at the end of the day, regardless of who your owner is. It would just be great to see if this team figures out at some point that, hey, we can't do these things because we're choosing not to do them. <laughs> like, it, right. there's no one else that's telling you not to. Like, no one told you you didn't have to not spend, like, the other half of your MLE this year. And who knows what role players could have came from that, you know? Like, who? Who knows what type of hidden gems? I don't know, but it, I, I hope whatever path they do choose, like it, it is a path that the front office gets to operate with without interruption. I don't know, but yeah. I look at a guy like a Bruce Brown Jr. Um, they could have gotten him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he would have been yeah. a nice yeah fit for the Bulls. You know, he could have played the three. He's capable of that. Um, good, good defense, good shooting. But yeah, you know they supposedly, obviously, they tried to get um, what's his face, uh, the guy, the player that ended up signing with Boston. Oh, um, Gallinari. Gallinari, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, supposedly, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I don't know. That just like stuff like that. I feel like they they there are better players to go after, and like I said, if they instead of only having a portion of a mid-level, if they were able to say flat out, here's a full mid-level, there were guys out there available that 
they could have probably gotten that were just a better, you know, better to sign as a whole as over signing, you know, Drummond, who Drummond has been nice at times, but other times it's like, man, Drummond, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and obviously when we talk about, we've, we've talked about, um, what do you call it? Uh, Goran, who, like I said, he had, like maybe the first month was good, but after that he's just not been like yeah. a guy that you want and you're consistently in your rotation. Like he's an upgrade over, like I said, a guy, like when I, when they signed him, I said he would be an upgrade over a Matt Thomas. Um, and that's all he remains, an upgrade over Matt Thomas. But like, so you don't want a guy like that consistently and mm. so unfortunately you know that's what happened he remained in the rotation while not really being a, a positive uh, impact yeah let me let me ask uh let me ask more of this so under under what the team is currently doing so let's say i, I want to ask you a question of the the rosiest scenario possible for the rest of this season Mm-hmm. So let's say the Bulls make the play in. Let's right. say they they win their games and they are the seventh or eighth seed. I don't know. And let's say they win a few games but ultimately lose in that series. Mm-hmm. Do you think, and I'm not saying what would you do, but I'm saying do you think that the front office and ownership would see that and say to themselves, okay, there's still something here. Let's continue doing like, let's continue competing. Or do you think that they would say, all right, doesn't matter. Let's, let's start over. No, I think they will do option one there because here's what they will do. They will try to figure out where's the bulls fan base level interest in those games. Because if they look, make no mistake, every ownership are also out there reading articles, reading blog posts, reading forums, reading everything. They are always taking the polls of fan base, every team out there in every major sports franchise. So they were trying to gauge, oh, okay, like, can we keep this carrot in front of Bulls fans? Because if we think there's something here in terms of like, oh, they won two games, we can milk the hell out of that. Like that is just a lot of content for us to go. Oh yeah, we were so close in getting to the second round. There's something to build on here. We're gonna keep Demar. We're gonna do everything in our part to keep Vooch. Um, yada yada yada. It's all about the selling point, right? I mean, in any business, it's about how you sell it, and that's how they would do it. Because if they didn't, and they like, if the Bulls actually played a competitive series, which would be an eye opener. And then they felt, oh no, you know what? Let's let's break it up. That would go completely against who they are, like how ownership are. Like it would just that's not how they function. So yeah, they would undoubtedly, I think, go after option one. I, I mean, personally, I know you said what not what you didn't you didn't ask me what I would do, but I'm gonna answer that anyway. I, I would almost leverage that and go, oh, if the opinion of my players have just increased. Cashing, like let yeah. me cash in on that immediately. Mm. Like, why not? That that's gonna get the rebuild off right because what's the right. upside here? Demar is only gonna get older, and like Vooch, the same thing. Like, they're not gonna get better. They're they're not on the right trajectory in terms of going upwards. Mm. Like, how much do we really believe in Ayodosumu going forward? As like, is he gonna be a part time starter? Is he gonna be the, uh, just a high end role player? Like. 
where is that major leap going to come from? We can keep saying Pat, but we've been saying that for like three years. So like logic would dictate it's not going to happen that that would be lightning in a bottle. But you better believe Bulls ownership would immediately go out there and squeeze it for all it's worth while arguing, oh, yeah, we're just getting started, baby. Come ride with the Bulls. See red. Go forward. They they would go all in on that. So I'm almost hoping that doesn't happen. I, I, I think yeah. a better scenario would just be if they make it to the playoffs, that they just have their like they get curb stumped. Like really, just a a complete sweep where they lose by 24 points per game. I think that would almost be a better signal to send to both ownership and management that yeah, this is like we got lucky to get this far, but look just how far apart we are from the league's true elite. That that would be the better scenario. Well, actually, to me, the better scenario would be just losing like from the last game and in and, and just make everything even more sour because then they'd be sitting there with that pit in their stomach going, oh, yeah, we, we chased something that we shouldn't have. This has always been dumb. The most rosy scenario for me is that they miss the playoffs and win Wemby. It's honestly, right. and it's, it's unrealistic to expect that, but that's like the, the one thing where I could see hope, like legitimate hope being thrust into back into this Bulls franchise. Yeah, no, I, I think if they get, if they, somehow get a top four pick, then I think a rebuild makes absolute sense because then you have a top four pick, you have Pat, you have, I mean, you have the young players to where it's like, okay, I could see these guys being something one day, you know? So I I, I think that would like legitimize that. Celine, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, like I said, if, 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 if you get a top four pick, top three pick or like a, like, you know, get super lucky and get Wemby or Scoot. Um, yeah, you have to at that point set the rebuild. And I'll say like Pat, I I, I can see Pat taking a leap, but he needs to have an opportunity to the opportunity to be on a team where he gets a lot the ball in his hands a lot and mm. and an opportunity to create for himself a lot and initiate a lot to, to develop that skill. Obviously it's it's not completely there yet. We've seen some f- small flashes um, you know, of him being able to to generate offense for himself. But like I said, if 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 he gets that opportunity, I can see him building off on that. But like I say, yeah, I, a rebuild to me either way it makes the most sense. But we, we've talked at nausea about that. Like more before you we wrap up, yeah, I do want to get your thoughts on another young player. We've kind of talked about him a little bit. Yeah. But Kobe White's growth, you know, it's been pretty like, I mean, I don't know if impressive is the right word, but like obviously coming in when we drafted him at number seven, you expect, you know, certain levels to hit. But at some point you have to forget like where you drafted a, a player, a young player. Seeing that he's still only 23 years old, we're starting to see like the improvements that we were always wondering his decision making has gone, but his ball handling is stark difference this season. Mm-hmm. Um, as a score, like you've seen him take advantage of that, you know, he still might not be classified as a shooter, but he is a three-point threat. Um, defensively, I feel like that's been when from where he started to where he's at now, not to say he's a good defender, but like trans- in transition, he's done better job getting back on defense. I think I feel like I've seen better screen navigation from him. Uh, just being a, like so showing that, hey, at 23, there's still – 
stuff there for me that maybe there's another level that I can reach. Um, and I think like there should be a growing conversation maybe between him and I, or like, I don't know what the bulls plan is in the off season again with, if they go to try to win again, will they be able to keep, keep both Kobe and Kobe and I because of how the cap is going to get structured out and they're going to again, get creep close to that luxury tax. Uh, but yeah, Kobe, what are your thoughts on him? Like, especially with the bulls, uh, in either scenario, a rebuild or uh, continuing trying to win, like I feel like they should bring him back. But uh, what, what are your thoughts? Kobe is probably in the weirdest situation of any player I've seen, like in recent memory, because statistically, if you're like an outside person looking at his numbers, right, you're going to reach the conclusion, oh, he's just regressed, right? I mean, look, his right. second year in the league, he was at like 15, 5, and 5 or whatever, 15, 4, and 5, I think it was. Um, and like, he's just kind of regressed. He's not even scoring 10 points per game this year. Like, his numbers are down. Like, oh, what a bust, which... It's just so completely wrong because you're absolutely right. He's taken some pretty huge steps. He's rounded out his game. He he has done these things. Like he's not a star, obviously, but what he's done, he's taken some of the most egregious parts of his game that were that was a, like a key to him for the first at least two years, and he's removed them. He's basically said, "Look, though, those don't work." Like for example, he would always dribble himself into dumb looks. Like that's that was just a right. fact. He would, especially from range. Well, if you dig deep enough in the numbers, you'll learn now, and you can also, that's also very apparent what you watch him play, that the vast majority of his threes now are being assisted because he's realized, okay, you know what? Didn't have the greatest success always pulling up from three. So instead, I'm going to try to find those holes in the defense where I can spot them instead. I'm a better shooter that way. I help the team out in that way better defensively instead of of being too aggressive because like, he used to be like he when there's a pick and roll, he would just jump on people and he would foul the hell out of them. He's kind of scaling back. He's trying to read, OK, if I stick close enough to the ball handler, but not that close that he can just drive past me. I'm going to actually help to seal off the paint. Like all these small details, he's figured out. And it's super encouraging. Like he's never been better than he is right now. Yet everyone around you who is like looking at the stats and who aren't really paying attention will tell you, oh yeah, he's the worst he's ever played. And it's it's such a weird situation for him to find himself in. Like he's going to be a free agent this year and he's going to negotiate with teams and the Bulls or whoever. And those teams are going to point out, well, statistically speaking, you had one of your worst seasons. And it's like, it's not even reflective of the value he's giving right now. So it, it's super weird. I think the Bulls are going to use like the numbers argument against him, I think other teams are as well. So maybe, you know, he's going to sign a deal that's below market value this season. That wouldn't surprise me. And then maybe he goes to some team where they sign him for, for a fairly small amount of money. And then by circumstance, he begins up starting and he becomes a fully reliable full-time starter. And we're all going to be looking at Kobe, much like everyone is looking at Wendell and Laurie right now. Like that could be a thing that wouldn't even shock me. You're right. He's actually pretty good. I wouldn't call him like a good defender, but I think the right. trajectory has changed. I think he used to be one of the worst like combo guard defenders in the entire league. Now yeah. he's like, 
average to above average, which is a huge, huge leap. Like nobody really talks about making a leap from horrible to average to slightly above average. That's like insane. That's an insane leap. Like the fact that he's also navigating things better, like just the passing alone, it's gotten to the point where he's got way more patience on his drives. And before he pulls the trigger, he's like, he's like scanning the court and like even mapping out certain actions. Like, yeah, he's a much better basketball player now. Uh, Do I trust the Bulls will see that? I don't know the answer to that. Do I trust that other teams will see it compared to like how his numbers look? I don't know the answer to that. I hope someone will see the value because I think yeah. there's definitely upside there. Like you said, Salim, he's so young. He's what, 23? 23 Only just yeah, turned yeah. 23. I mean, and I think the Bulls can keep him on a team friendly contract. Like, if, if realistically, I would give Kobe a mid level type of contract uh, for like two, three years. And I think he, that'll be worth it. Oh, and I'd give him more. But but that's I know, like, I'm saying yeah. I'm saying uh, like a team friendly. I would get no hundred. I would give him more than that. But I'm saying like like I would I, I would go up to Kobe and say, hey, here here's three years. Uh, what's the mid level about 11, 11 and a half probably. Yeah, yeah. So thirty three million. Here's three years, thirty three million. Let's do it. I, I would I would offer him that right off the bat because that's a that's a similar deal that Wendell got from Orlando, right? Right. Um. And then right away becomes a value deal where, okay, if you see continued progression and then at some point you say, okay, well, you know, things are, are, are we need to do some other things. You can still move him for some, an asset, but he becomes a young player that could, you know, play above that contract, uh, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm all for giving Kobe what, you know, what he would be worth, but I don't think like a lot of teams will come in busting down like, I want to give Kobe fifty million, sixty million dollars. Right. You know, yeah. I don't think there's going to be teams like that. So well, I, I, I agree. I, but I think the reason I said I would give him more is also because I think there's value in having extended him. And then again, we were talking about like the the front office last year. They missed the boat on that. They could have extended right. him. And, and I think now you're you're ending up you're kind of screwing yourself because. Kobe White right now is going to be a restricted free agent. That means that the Bulls don't really hold all the power here. If a team comes in and does offer him what you just said, Salim, right. which you don't think like the 50s or 60 million, like only it only takes one team. If one team sure. does that, you're kind of screwed because then the Bulls are not going to do that. They're going to say, oh, wow, they've, they've got too expensive for us. Whereas if they had just extended him, and I even wrote a piece about this uh, last year before the extension deadline, I basically said, look, you should extend Kobe White to about $16 million a year. And people were like, $16 million. Like, yeah, because the cap is only increased. The cap is on average increasing by 10 to $11 million per year. And in 2025, you know, there's going to be a TV money deal that's going to come in and alter the cap even more. $16 million per year is fine. Plus, when you then enter July 1st, if you felt as though you would need to trade him, you could, because that's when that salary would have kicked in. Then you would have had this mid-tier salary of $16 million that you could have moved off from if that's what you wanted. Or you could have just stuck with the extension if you thought he was worth it. For them to find themselves again in a situation where they don't have control, it's just, it's, it's amateur hour. You know, this, and I'm not saying they have similar games, but... When I think about the kind of upside Kobe White theoretically could have, I think back to Terry Rozier when he left mm-hmm. Boston and he was kind of like 
middling type of player, some slight improvements in his game, and then goes to Charlotte and all of a sudden, like, like gets a little bit more opportunity and starts playing a little bit well, or starts playing pretty well overall. I, I think Kobe White, like, there, there really is a lot more upside to his game. And, like, I'm, I feel myself being more intrigued by what he can possibly do especially if the Bulls do end up going into a rebuild. Like, we, we've seen some signs, like you said, more. He's playing better defense overall. I, I think, for me, I want to see his shot have – like, I, I want to see a little bit more consistency in his three-point shot. We are seeing what he does as a shooter in catch-and-shoot scenarios, which is really good. But I do want to see if he can take that next step in his game where he can he can become a, three, a really good three-point shooter – in catch and shoot and off the dribble as well. So, yeah. um, like, I, I, I think you can still get a lot better. Like, I, I think there's some room here where the Bulls definitely should be able to lock him up for, what would it, would it be, 444? I don't know, but, like. 445 if, if the if the, if the full MLE is going to be, like, an 11 and a yeah, half, right? That's not, so That's not bad, like, overall. Like, like you and Salima said, like, it's. It's, it's a deal where it can be a value, but it's also a deal where I think it can be a tradable contract in the future if, you know, he's not, for whatever reason, becoming what you envision. So there's definitely mm. some juice here. I, I, I think the Kobe Weiss game that you can still really, uh, really get from him. So it, it's definitely going to be an interesting uh, negotiation with him in free agency. I think I think there's going to be some teams that are interested in in trying to get that value as low as possible. And like you said, they're going to use that numbers argument. But if you watch in the games, like there are clear improvements that he's making in his game and with more opportunity, like possibly really an underrated player next season. Yeah. A lot of playoff teams that actually would stand to benefit him, like getting him in because he would be entering his fifth season so, like, you can sort of expect him to not have all the rookie moments. They are gone. And we're already seeing that to a certain extent this year. If you've watched the Bulls, like any pro scout would have. So, like, when they report to their teams, they go, hey, look, look, there's there's a guy in Chicago. Everyone's sleeping on him. Nobody's really buying the hype, but we should because he's actually pretty good. And we Maybe we can use him as a sort of six-man role where – you know, and and like not the traditional six man where role where he's just coming in and guns, but like, all right, we can use him as a six man who comes in and actually defends, who can shoot, who can set the game up, uh, like or set the play up rather. Like, you can have a playoff team that comes in and offer him that chance, and honestly, he might actually open up to that idea, and he might actually be really, really good in that type of role. Hmm. And then what would the Bulls be left standing with? Not much, unless they match which i don't even know if they do yeah it seems like they don't know fully what they have or maybe they're just intentionally downplaying it i mean look you're seeing it around the league i i dallas for example with christian wood who's going to be an like a a, not even a restricted unrestricted free agent next year like it's pretty clear that they're keeping his minutes totals down and i suspect that is because they want to try to make the minutes argument against him or like the production minutes argument against him, which why would you do that? And the Bulls, I would, wouldn't shock me, seem to be doing the same with Kobe. It's a practice that is 
fairly rampant around in the NPA and goes back like decades. And it's one of the dumbest things a tra- franchise can ever do. Like, because you're just going to turn that player against you eventually. The player is going to think, okay, you screwed me, not just from your, your, your market, but also my market around the league. So I, I always think that approach is weird and unnecessary. Yeah. And to be fair to the Bulls, there's a lot of guards on their roster. I don't like the he, Kobe played 27 minutes last night. Obviously that's partly because IO or sorry, IO uh, AC got injured. Uh, and didn't come back, but I just think it's because a lot of guards on the roster. So, um, and then that's the other respect to Kobe. Like he's figured out how to come, you know, be an impactful player with, you know, minutes fluctuating, like mm-hmm. some minutes, sometimes he'll play like 15 minutes and other games will get to play 20 plus minutes. But yeah, I'm just looking at his minutes totals the last month or so. And he's consistently been in the rotation for a good amount. So he's adjusting. I don't necessarily think they're doing that to Kobe where they're trying to limit his minutes. It's just about where the team is at as a roster. And like no, I said, they, they did earlier this season, because let's, let's be fair. Did they really need Goran Drakic? Like, honestly, and even no, I mean, a good chunk in, like they, you could have given a chunk of those minutes to Kobe, but they wanted another point guard. Like, they, right. They, they, when we heard that rumor, I remember you as well on Twitter, Salim, at that point in time when they said, oh, we want another point guard. You and I were like, why? <laughs> like, they, they already had right. a million. Like, it didn't make sense. So so I'm not. I'm saying, you know, I agree with you right now. They're giving him that run. But if you're looking at, like, overall during the course of the season, you could absolutely make the argument that he should have played more minutes. No, I, I agree yeah. with you. I agree with you. I did. I Like, for me... Again, I have said signing Goran was fine, but just as an upgrade to depth as far yeah. as like guys like TJ, uh, Troy Brown Jr. and Matt Thomas, I did not I did not like the thought of him playing ahead of Io and, and Kobe. And uh, initially, like I said, the first month or so, it, it worked out because he was playing really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then obviously he just nosedived after that and became essentially what, everyone thought he was last season. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting. Like, um, like I said, when we, when we talked about players leaving Chicago and getting better and we know there's so many different layers to it, but like it, at this point, it really has become, it, it's gotten to a point where I could definitely see like someone like Kobe white on a, on a good team, just playing, playing this role and us looking at it like, damn, why do we let him go? Like, it's just we see Bobby Portis ending up in a situation like that. We saw campaign getting in the right situation. Like, I, I could see Kobe White getting in that spot, especially with with that that catch and shoot game that he has and an improved defense. Like, it just. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's something that hopefully the Bulls are able to figure out that they want to keep him long term and that he does get a little bit more opportunity. For sure, for sure. Let, let's let's wrap up here. Any uh, obviously more uh, any final thoughts that you may have, and and please uh, let us listeners know where they can follow you, what you're working on. Uh, I know you continue to also do the NBA podcast with Brian Toporek. Uh Yeah, give us a give us everything that you have, and like I said, any final thoughts you may have as well. Yes. Well, so final thoughts is you know I I know that it's uh, <laughs> I, I I'm very much like the 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 necessary wedgies like when it comes to like uh, the Bulls when they come in on podcasts I'm always like right. trying to provide like the the negative perspective which mm-hmm. I'm trying intentionally not I'm not intentionally trying to be negative trust me I I I just have a hard time <laughs> seeing 
where where this team is headed. And and like I, I hear every time I talk about the Bulls, I have a lot of Bulls fans like adding me on Twitter going, wow, you're really negative about the Bulls. Like, yeah, sorry, sorry. I, I would love for the Bulls to be good, by the way. I just want to get this out of the way. It's been like a, a plus hour. Or is a Bulls fan. Yeah, well, 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 let's, well, let's not go too far, Salim. I, 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 look, I was a fan for 20 plus years, and and then I got <laughs> roped in to the DeRozan, Vooch, Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine core last year, and I had fun. I will say this. Last year was fun. I actually enjoyed the first half of last year more than I enjoyed the Derrick Rose years. I'm not even kidding you. Like I enjoyed that more because I thought it was a funner brand of basketball to watch. And then everything crumbled. And then you kind of realize, Oh yeah, they're not building on this. Oh, it's the same pattern. Ah. And then I kind of checked out again. I was ape Simpson basically going into that club, <laughs> turning around. That, that was my, my brief thing with the Bulls. Um, so, so fan, I don't know, but I, they, they will always hold a special like place in my heart. Obviously I, I grew up on the oh, Bulls. both my kids are named after Michael Jordan for crying out loud. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, but no, where you can find me when, what I'm working on. Um, yeah. So I'm working a lot on Danish content these days. So my apologies, that's probably not going to be too relevant for a lot of you, but you can find my work over at Forbes and sports illustrated at the very least. And then I also have, as you said, Salim, thank you for that plug. Uh, I also do the NBA podcast with Brian Toporek. Right. Hey, man, you're the number one uh, basketball mind in Denmark. I've, I've said it. I've always said it. You, you're, you're that guy. So I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah you, you, you've grown like a lot. Like it's like you're like significantly. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you like the TV show you do, the radio spots you do. Like you, when they ask you to come out here to cover. Um, oh, you feel Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, that you're there. You're the guy there. So. Um, you're, you're, it's awesome. Like I said, it's awesome to see you grow there. Um, far too kind, continue, far too kind. Yeah. You, and you continue right. to grow. Yeah. You like, continue to grow. stuff too for Forbes, man. It's amazing. Thank you guys. Oh, you're being 100%. way too kind. Way too kind. Don't deserve it. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, and any, any final thoughts for you as we wrap up here? No, um, thank, thanks to Mort again for dropping by. Uh, I, I always feel like we, it's not you're not pessimistic more like I, I feel like we always do a really good job of covering so many shades of gray with this bull scene like no one can ever really like pigeonhole us into being like too pessimistic or too optimistic like you really never know what we're gonna get but I, I feel like you always bring that same blend where it's like we've had you on episodes before where you've been like through the roof excited about what's going on with this bull scene but then we've had you on episodes where you like yo I ain't messing with this team no more. <laughs> like I am, like I'm out, man. So, but, but no, I, I I completely get it, man. Like last season, and we even had a um, I think we even had like a discussion on one of those shows where it was comparing last season's team in the first half to that 2010-11 Bulls team, where we yeah. like, oh, which one is more exciting? Like, which one has like brought back more life into this Bulls team? And it was a really interesting question, and then, um other stuff happens so <laughs> but uh no thank you again to more for dropping by and uh we'll see what happens with this uh with this uh play-in hunt they are a game and a half over with pacers right now and i could honestly see this coming down to the last game because it would be very uh representative of what this bull season has been so uh 
we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. We'll definitely see. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Mark Arizolas, Mark K, known on Twitter, Bulls Twitter, a big part of Bulls Twitter. He obviously works with uh, CHGO part time, covers the Bulls there. Uh, he is in town in Chicago for the first time ever. Oh, nice. Uh, he, he, yeah, he finally got to go to the, the, the United Center, watch Bulls lives. And he's, he's enjoyed some really classic Bulls, like, or really good Bulls games. Like they've, they've at least treated him well, uh, when he's got to watch them. Uh, so I hung out with him yesterday had lunch with him. And obviously the, you know, we've, we've, as more, we've known Mark for, you know, very long time, you know, we interacted online, kind of been friends online. And, you know, I finally got to meet him yesterday. It was really nice to see. I had lunch with him, got talked with him and everything. Uh, so I just wanted to give him a shout out. Uh, but yeah, that's, Mark, uh, that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred percent. Like I said, you know, it was, it was cool. Really cool to finally, you know, you know, meet him face to face. He's, he's in town till like the 23rd. Okay. So, um, yeah, he's just kind of, you know, making the rounds with people, kind of doing different things, fun things, and, and enjoying the city. Unfortunately, you know, it's, you know, we're joking with, I was joking with him yesterday because it's like cold right now again. Like yesterday was surprisingly cold. Like I even, even I was kind of surprised. Like, man, it got super cold out of nowhere. Um, but yeah. It's a different level. But yeah, you know, it's, it's a different been, level. It is. Yeah, it is definitely, you know, and it was windy again yesterday too. So that, that chill was an extra factor, but yeah, you know, it was, like I said, it was really nice to see him. So I just wanted to give him a shout out. Uh, but yeah, that's a wrap for today's show. Uh, you know, if you like said, if you missed any previous episodes, you can find us on the Barroom network on all major and minor podcast platforms. Thank you again to Morton Jensen for joining us today and to the listeners for tuning in. And as always for Edward Schuler and myself, Till next time, Bulls fans. 